Hello and welcome to episode two of season two of the Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Joining me is Shona Hickmore, my co-host. Unfortunately, Corey Travers wasn't able to make it this week due to a little thing called a job, which uh, I don't know if that's really an excuse, Shona. Do you think that's a proper excuse? Uh, I'm going to give it to him since the Copper and Blue podcast hasn't exploded across the uh you know, internet okay, <laughs> and made yeah. us all independently wealthy. <laughs> We're not quite the Joe Rogan show yet, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be me and Shona today talking about the Oilers. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. Um, the Oilers have been in the throes of preseason. They've looked fantastic in some games, a little mediocre in some others, but that could be chalked up to them icing a pretty uh, not too great of a roster against an actual NHL roster against the Jets in Seattle in those both in those two losses. Um, before we get into that, though, just a quick note off the top of the show. Um, everyone here at the Copper and Blue podcast and the website, we wish Josh Archibald well. Um, he was recently diagnosed with myocarditis as a, as a result of a, a COVID battle earlier in the summer. Um, and I think we'll just leave it at that. Um, we all wish him well. We hope he gets through this and that he... Uh, is able to live a normal and healthy life after. Um, so yeah, with that out and uh, off uh, at the top of the show, let's get into our, our big topics of the day. I want to start with a positive topic. Yessi Puliarvi. Now this kid is really popping off in preseason. He had two goals against the Jets on a Saturday night. He has three in two games, in two, in two preseason games, and he's just looked like a whole new player, is, hasn't he, Shona? He's looked really good. I mean, his social media has also looked really good. He went and found a Bison. I think that was awful cute. Um, I think he just looks um, happy to be here, right? Like, he's always had that, like, kind of happy, um, pleasant kind of mean, but, like, his hockey and his personality are lining up. I think he feels, you know, maybe comfortable and, and like, he's in a good place playing hockey at Edmonton and it's starting to show in his production and, and how he is, uh, you know, been. Yeah. I think it's a confidence thing with him. He, when he came in um, last year, we weren't really sure where his role would be. And now this year he's come in and he's been on that top line every game. He hasn't been even talked about being on another line. I think that does wonders for, uh, for the confidence of Yessi, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, stability in line mates is also probably not exactly the worst thing in the world either, right? Especially, like, especially when one of those uh, line mates you're stable with is Connor McDavid. Yeah, I just think um, he's had a lot of, you know, last year he had a lot of kind of bouncing around um, between lines and, and we've talked about it before, Tippett's uh, complete another love of the uh, line blender. Um, you know, I think that maybe some stability and a chance to like, you know, feel like he knows what he, he knows what these guys are doing, where they're going to be, you know, they get a, a set of, you know, solid plays that they all like, you know, feel are strong, then they can definitely uh, be, you know, he can play some really good hockey without having to worry about all the crap that comes around them playing really good hockey, right? Yeah, for sure. I think he's looked like a, 
a completely like way more confident player the way he just handles himself on the ice the way he he he's more he's willing to do more things with the puck now I think I think last year you might have seen him maybe defer a little bit more um, but now he really looks like he's confident with the puck and he knows where he's at in the ice and he's uh he's really gelling with McDavid um just in that first game he played against Seattle in that six I think it was a six nothing win Everyone was talking about Connor McDavid's pass to, to Zach Hyman, but not a lot of people were talking about Jesse Puliarvi with an absolutely beautiful pass to Connor McDavid to start that playoff. It's just uh, it's just wonderful to see him finally doing well. And then seeing that clapper in the, the game against the Jets on Saturday, holy man, I have not seen a, a goal like that in quite a while. No, and it's nice that he's at a point where um, the other thing I think is, like you were saying, Preston, he's got enough confidence and maybe enough stability in his game right now. He can try to do things that a year ago he wouldn't have been comfortable doing because he was afraid they were going to, like, you know, lead to him being benched or, or whatever. So yeah. I think that hopefully um, this season is a really fantastic one for him. Um, not so fantastic that he prices himself out of something that the Oilers can afford going forward, though, because quite frankly, uh, I'd love for him to stay an Oiler instead of, you know, ending up on a different team because our, uh, <laughs> our, 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 oh boy. I don't even want to think about that. We're trying to keep positive, Jonah. Think about it, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I also have the same uh, concern about Yamamoto since he's on a one-year contract. I'm like, I want you to do really well, but not so well that there's a huge bidding war for you um, when we get to free agency and the team can't afford to resign you. I think I think both of them are still restricted free agents. So uh, they'll, they'll if any contract they sign will have an opportunity to match. But that being said, um, let's if- just let's go visit Cal- Car- Carolina and their bunch of jerks contracts. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. So hopefully we can. There's, uh, there's there's more than one way to offer sheet a player that the Oilers cap, you know, situation wouldn't let them match. So yeah, I, I haven't crunched the numbers yet on how much cap we'll have at the end of the season, but uh, it's not as much enough. as we had. It's not as much as we had this summer, and uh, you know, I have high expectations for Puliarvi after, especially after seeing him this preseason. He looks he's looked fantastic. I have him pegged around. Oh God, I want I I'm really high on the kid, but I don't think he cracks uh, 65 points. I think his ceiling is 60 points. Uh, so I have him around 25 goals. I'll I'll just do I'll just do it easy. I think 25 goals, 25 assists for for 50 points is a pretty pretty decent um, expectation for him over an 82 season, especially if he gets a a full year with McDavid and then gets time on the power play, the the, the first unit power play, which he's. Yeah. Uh, all right, watch him go on a heater just to like mess you up there, Preston. Oh, I I will be wrong about this. I because, I encourage him to do better than that. Because like I just any... think of how many people were um saying, oh well, McDavid will never reach X amount of points. Like it's like when he was like four games or five games left, and he needed like how many points to reach a hundred, and they were like, oh, he he's not going to be able to do it. And then he was like, oh, watch me, I'll do it with two games to spare. <laughs> you know, I like, believe. Glad if Puliarvi can help McDavid get there with a few assists and a few goals of his, of his own. Right, so. <laughs> Even if it prices himself out, I love the kid. I, I don't think I could ever cheer against him. I just want him to do as best as he can. He's probably one of my favorite players on the team. 
you know, outside of the usual suspects. Everyone's going to say McDavid and Drysaddle. I think Pooley Arby is is right there as a fan favorite. Um, it just because of he's it, definitely such got a personality to be a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's very much not the uh, typical hockey um, personality that you see um, in McDavid and um, Drysaddle. Yeah. Both of who I uh, enjoy their dogs um, more than I enjoy them. Their uh, <laughs> dogs are hella cute and not. I have way more affection for dogs than uh, hockey bros. So but uh, if you think about Jesse Pugliarvi is kind of a puppy, puppy in human form. He, and he has a nice dog too. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Everything's I'm pretty sure going Jesse right. I just sit on the ground and pet his dog, but he'd tell me how wonderful it was that I was having a great time petting his dog. So uh, <laughs> uh, it seems like everyone in Edmonton has a, has a, like a experience with Yessie and I'm still waiting for mine. So uh, when that happens, I'll definitely report back. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have one, so uh, you can tell me how it was, Preston, and, yeah, and I'll decide at that point if it, it seems like a thing I want to do. <laughs> um, and then the other the other part of the top line is Zach Hyman. Um, he's only had one game with that top line, and that being the six nothing win against Seattle in Edmonton. Um, then he played in Seattle or in Everett, um, but he was with Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto. So we only got one look at him on that top line, and he's looked pretty good. He's a uh, He's comes as advertised. He's a guy who goes to the net. He's a pest. He's a thorn in the side of the opponents. And he's really, all he's got to do is do the thing that he did in the, the one game he had with McDavid, get in the right position. They'll get him the puck and he'll score some goals. So I thought he looked fantastic on that line. It looks like one of the, it looked like it could be one of the best trios in the league this upcoming season. Yeah. I think Hyman very much comes as advertised. I would uh, really like him to write another children's book while he's here so <laughs> that I uh, can again, wow, Preston and Corey with my weird bits of trivia that I know about hockey players. That's true. I did not know that before you brought it up. So dogs and what children's books they've authored. <laughs> Don't ask me for their stats, but their dogs names I've got. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think um, the thing with Hyman that I always, um, I'm hesitant to say, like, I think he looks great. I think he, like you're saying, Preston, I think he's as advertised. But, like, Hyman comes with a hefty price tag. Mm-hmm. So um, the one thing I would have said is I, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, that Everett game, well, you know, Lord, uh, if there weren't, like, a grainy one-position stream thing going on from, like, the freaking Everett silver tips being all... <laughs> Oh, oh, are you okay, bud? Cats are falling off railings. Um, uh, being all clever and asking the Oil Kings if they've changed their jerseys. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I would have liked for, like, it's the same thing we used to hear about Drysaddle last year a lot. Well, can he can he perform away from McDavid, right? Yeah. Because he's an awful lot of money to, to only play with McDavid. So I like that he's solid with McDavid. I would feel a lot better about the investment the Oilers have made in him if we were starting to see him also perform. And maybe we will as preseason and, and regular season gets going. Um, preseason goes on and regular season gets going. Like to see him perform a little bit away from McDavid as well. Yeah. Because again, you know, if he's not on a line with McDavid, I would rather not him be like an $8 million uh, paperweight of a yeah, player. For sure. Right. Um, I, and unfortunately I wasn't able to watch an Everett game. I know a lot of people were watching it on, on TV and I don't have cable. So I was sitting there watching, uh, the Oilers stream 
and uh, I got to listen to that that nice hip hop beat for like 20 minutes until they said that there was no stream. So I didn't see any of it. So I didn't know how Hyman really played. From what I heard on Twitter, he was a, a thorn in the side of the Seattle team and um, he looked pretty good. So I won't take yeah, that at face value. I didn't see a lot of it either. I mean, because um, that game was Friday night and, and Friday night was also the season opener for the Edmonton Oil Kings. And I've got priorities for things I've already paid for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yep. No. Um, I think like it would be nice to hear like, you know, oh, you know, he's as advertised, but it would be nice to be hearing, oh, like there was this impressive play with Ryan or, you know, he looked really good with Yamamoto and we're not hearing that yet. But again, like I said, it's yeah, early, early days. season that you're hoping that maybe some chemistry will come together and we'll hear that later. Yeah. I mean, well, like the dry side of line, dry saddle didn't drive his own line immediately either. That being said, dry saddle, you know, is a player that the Oilers have developed in air quotes. Um, and Hyman is one that they got in at free agency who, you know, should have already been developed, but yeah, I, as it's, it's interesting. I, I think we would, I think it's possible we will see Hyman play on that second line with like a swap with Nugent Hopkins, maybe because we know that Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, they have, they have some chemistry, at least they played a lot together in the last two years. And then um, just to see how Hyman bounces off a of dry side on Yamamoto, it, it, that would be interesting to see here. But then again, you might want to try to get that first line a few games intact. Um, it'll be interesting. That's, that's something that could be could be neat to see in the last few games here leading up to, to the season opener. Uh, moving cool. on to uh, – oh, go on. Go ahead. And I was going to say, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? Yeah. Like, they can, um, they can do some of this stuff, you know, as we've all uh, – as we all acknowledge, like Tippett loves that, that loves blender. That yeah. blender. So he's not gonna, he's not gonna suddenly be like, ah, I'm not feeling the blender. He's gonna, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see um, Hyman with both lines uh, anytime we 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 struggle a little bit during the season. Um, we'll, we'll definitely see him bounce around a little a little bit at least. Um, so yeah, moving on to another guy in preseason that's been uh, pretty impressive, and I think Corey called it on last week's uh, uh, podcast. Uh, Brendan Perlini, he's probably the player of the preseason for the Oilers. I think he's got like, oh my god, four goals and like how many assists so far? He's just he's looking fantastic, no matter who he plays with. So, so do you think he's a lock to make the team? This at least the opening night lineup. I don't think anyone's a lock. Well, I mean, if your name's not Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, like I, I would feel like he's in a much better position than he was last week when we did this podcast. Yeah. But at the same time, like the uh, the inner workings of Dave Tippett are uh, mysterious and <laughs> he's an and enigma shadowed to me. So I, you know, hesitate to say, yeah. Do I think based on his play in the preseason that he should be a guy making the lineup? Yeah, he's played really well. He's performed in you know all the situations like basically in all the situations that you know Tippett and the Oilers have asked him to perform like played all those roles done all the stuff that they've asked does that necessarily mean he makes the uh team you know if uh if uh work led to reward in the NHL 100 percent but let's I freely admit that like you know work doesn't lead to 
reward or every guy who's busted their ass for 10 years would have a Stanley cup. Right. So I don't know. I would hope. I I think a better option than some of the ones that they're sitting on. I think the odds are in his favor for sure. Just because if you look at almost, I think it's almost every press conference that, uh, that Dave Tippett has done this preseason, he always speaks glowingly of Brendan Perlini. And every time we hear that, think about the guys you always hear him talk about, you know, the Drew, the Devin Shores, uh, the Kyle Turris's, the Zach Cassians. He's always got good things to say about them, Mike Smith. So I think just going on that and how he talks about Brendan yeah. Perlini. Uh, I'm not 100% sure this isn't going to be a Brutus moment. So, you know, uh, I hope for Perlini that it's not, but I'm just going to be like, let's watch and see what opening yeah. night looks like. That's it, you know, for sure. It's, it is, again, preseason. And I think we could have been saying these exact same things about Ty Ratty a few years ago, right? So Nope, um, some of us would not have been because we are <laughs> physically incapable of praising Winterhawks. <laughs> it made that Jones That's true. situation That's true. really you... awkward for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. Um, it's nice to see that Dave Tippett is potentially has a skill option here. Cause I think Brendan Perlini is more of a skill player than a, than a grinder penalty kill specialist, like, like, like Devin shore. So it's nice yeah. to see that we might have another option in the top nine or and the see, bottom that's, six. That's the part that, uh, makes me a little uncomfortable saying whether or not he'll make it. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if he were saying he'll make it when, if he were a grinder, but yeah. like him being a skill player, Sometimes I feel like um, Tippett and I don't necessarily value skill the same way. Like he has a I don't lot. Think, of... I don't think either of us value skill the same way Tippett values skill. I think like we have Tippett a has different. a lot of focus on um, penalty kill, not just penalty kill, but on the ideas of grit and, you know, work ethic and those things. And I think those things are fantastic. But like I said, if every guy who put 10 years into the NHL were rewarded for effort and how much time they spend conditioning and coming to camp in the best shape of their life, hashtag best shape of your life, then, you know, everyone would have a cup, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, if I went and the Oilers sent me an invite to their training camp, I can guarantee you I'd bust my ass. I'd be the hardest working player on there. Would I be good? Probably not, but I'd be working my ass off, so... <laughs> right by I, that I just, logic I, think, I should be on the team right so. I think that um I always uh I'm always very hesitant around oh well you know you could go with a skill option and in fact your um top AHL guys and some of the guys that you could put in your bottom six in fact would be a skill option but I don't see you dropping people like Devin Shore or Kyle Turris or Zach Cassian you know, who are, are not as able to contribute to your skill options. Yeah. So like there's this hesitancy to say, oh, he's going to go with skill when, you know, I'm like, well, then what I was thinking about this, trying to think of like four lines that would roll for the Oilers. And I was like, but we'll never have four lines that'll roll because at, and score and do those things. Cause we've got to put Zach Cassie in somewhere. Yeah. And, 90% of what you would use in a, like a small, quick fourth line, Zach Cassian, third and fourth line, Zach Cassian can't work with. We saw that, mm-hmm. you know, this was the problem with him on the first line. Yeah, so then you're I... rolling bigger checking lines out, which are not scoring lines, which are not the guys like Perlini or Benson, or, you know, in, even in some cases, they're not McLeod. Right. So then you just get like twisted up in knots trying to figure out 
what's he gonna do where's yeah, he gonna go for sure we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about just that in the second half of the episode um because there is lots to talk about with that there's lots to unpack with uh with some of those roster battles and with the uh, you know zach cassie and kyle turris devon shore ryan mcleod it's a it's kind of a mess right now i don't know where it will go um but but for now um we'll we'll go to the goaltending now and i think i think we all know that the 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 goaltending tandem at the start of the season is going to be Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. I don't know for sure if that will be the tandem we end the season with. Um, who knows? Maybe Ken Holland goes out and makes a trade or something. Um, but oh. I think that would be, I don't know. I don't really think he will, but yeah, anything's possible. He traded Milan Lucic, which I, which I thought was impossible at some point. Um, yeah. But Stuart it's Skinner. not that he can't trade. It's lots of times I feel like he won't trade. So. <laughs> But Stuart Skinner has been a guy that has been very impressive throughout training camp. And, and the one full start he had in uh, Seattle, he carried that team from what I've heard. He was one of the more impressive players on either side of the, the ice. And to see him being the lone goalie surviving in camp other than Koskinen and Smith is telling for sure. Especially when you had a, a guy like Konovalov, who was uh, highly touted coming into camp. So... Yeah, My well. question is, do we think that Stuart Skinner can eventually usurp uh, one of Smith or Koskinen by the end of the season? Well, I don't think he's going to need to usurp one of Smith or Koskinen because I honestly believe that um, one of them is going to get hurt at some point this year. Yeah. Because um, Holler Tibbet will do like what he was doing last year, which was hot goalie, hot goalie, hot goalie, hot goalie, mm-hmm. right? Until the goalie turns stone cold. But, um, you know, neither one of our goalies is 20 years old and, and that'll be, uh, you know, there'll be parts of the schedule that are really hard on them. Right. Yeah. Like, well, especially cause it's not in just Canada now, right. They're doing yeah. uh, international play between us and Canada. Yeah. And I think that our, I think that, um, you know, for our goalies, the travel, the stress, the, the games, the the defense, the defense, um, <laughs> all of these things are gonna, gonna contribute to the you know all of these things contribute to the potential you know and even just playing in Edmonton like everyone's always like Edmonton's such a hockey market which is such a bullshit thing to say Edmonton is an Oilers market um, yeah so to have all that attention and and have all these freaking uh you know almost sharks in the media asking them things like, what does it feel like, you know, to know that everyone wants you gone and that sort of stuff. I think that that's, um, you know, all of that's going to come together to be hard on them. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, Um, uh... and I think that someone's going to go down with an injury or, or whatever. And um, Skinner's going to get to play some games. Yeah. Um, Whether he stays up will really depend because again tip it's all hot goalie hot goalie hot goalie so if he comes up and knocks it out of the park then he'll stay i think yeah um and if he doesn't then we may not see him for three more years yeah it's, it's really a weird year for Stuart skinner he's he's kind of in between of uh he had a fantastic year in the ahl but it looks like he's he's ready to make that push but uh we're kind of stuck because we have uh Mike Smith and Koskinen here and we can't really it's 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 hard to play Skinner when you have two guys on those types of contracts right um well I mean the other thing is it's hard for him to be like a rookie goalie 
Um, and we know he's going to make mistakes. And yeah. I think it would be hard to be a rookie goalie on a team that's um, so highly criticized as the Oilers offseason moves have been, because I feel like playing a rookie goalie too much is just like the get out of jail free card for losses that didn't need to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, well, for some people, you know, oh, well, you know, if the goalie had just stopped a few more, well, Maybe if never well yeah we've seen that a lot with miko last year even as a veteran goalie i think miko had a fine year i think he was fine for us last year in, in the role that he played he we rode him hard at the beginning and he gave us serviceable games and then he kind of fell off and then he's had he had a few bad like last few games and people yeah, were well, talking like you know, he, the world was ending it they were talking like koskinen was cooked after a few not not that know, great of games same I thought that was people unfair. like when Smith was rocking an, an 880 for the Oilers the year before. We're like, oh, no, wait, just give him a chance. He'll rebound, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of wonder where those guys were um, that were telling me Mike Smith wasn't done at 39 um, are right now. Yeah, I'm wondering uh, why we didn't hear from Jim Matheson when when Mike Smith was uh, was struggling, but then he just absolutely took the knife and stabbed it into Miko Koskinen. Even after a win, even after winning the, the game against the Jets um, on Saturday, yeah. the post game was Jim Matheson saying, how does it feel to land like the, the first goal of the game? Like, yeah. come on, man, give this guy a chance. Well, you know, how does it feel that in the first goal of the game? I don't know. How does it feel to be this bad at your job, buddy? You know, <laughs> like, I think that uh, there's a, a specific narrative that, a lot of people in Edmonton are looking for and the media is feeding into it. And it's got to be that Koskinen is awful and should be traded for a bag of pucks. You know, yeah, they do a fantastic job of, uh, of uh, inflating the value of our trade assets. Right. Well, uh, that's the thing they, that. but they do, but they've always like, uh, Preston, you know, like this will be my hill to die on. If anyone actually looks at the media in around the time when Devin Dunick was traded, it's the same set of stuff well like he's awful he'll never rebound he's dragging the team down if only we had a you know actually um competent nhl goaltender the team would be doing much better right like yeah um and then you know he goes and then the next year um he's a vesna care you know he's a vesna in that top three for vesna and the oilers are like look we developed that goalie <laughs> they you know about that very quickly but that's the thing. It's the same thing. Like, you yeah. know, oh, they're riding Koskinen. He's awful. He's, but if he goes into another team and flipping knocks it out of the park, I'm trying not to give us an explicit tag. Um, uh, you know, they'll be like, well, the Oilers gave him his chance in the NHL and he's only here. There's not, it always strikes me as super sketchy. Cause there's not that piece where they're like hey if we just stop being jerks you know yeah but no like, shona you're missing the point here it's the fans the fans are the ones who run the players out of town no no <laughs> because i'm going to be 110 honest with you a lot of wheelers fans get their opinions from our media yeah we like or dislike who the media tells us to like or dislike. Well, guess what? The fans aren't the ones writing the columns in the newspapers that everyone can see. No, and they're not the ones that are reading those columns and being like, well, this guy's an accredited journalist, so I guess he must be right. Miko Koskinen is done. 
Yeah. You know, there's like the 14 year old version of Preston out there that's like, oh, well, the numbers are okay. But this guy, yeah. this guy with like journalistic, you know, you know, and that, that's what I did. Is as, telling, as kid, is right? telling me this guy is awful, so he must know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. Edmonton fans are hard to play in front of. We'll throw jerseys on the ice. Like Edmonton fans are the very definition of a difficult employee. Yeah. But a lot of what makes that happen is the Edmonton media. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would love if they would own their role in making this a difficult city for players to play in yeah for sure well you hear about it it's it's the media in toronto is something that that players have specifically pointed to the reason as being a difficult market to to play in but it's no different here you you hit the the nail on the head there um i i think we're going to witness something truly spectacular from miko koskinen this year i think he's he's poised he's poised for a revenge tour on the on the, his naysayers. He's got his family back in town. He's looked fantastic in, in preseason and in practice and training camp so far. And he's a good goalie. I think he's a, when he's playing his game, he's a fantastic goalie. He seems like a very nice man too, because I probably would have decked Jim Matheson. (laughs) No, yeah, no, he's had to deal with a lot with, especially Jim Matheson. Jim Matheson is usually pretty tame. I think in terms of the, the Empton media, but when it comes to Koskinen, and he just goes at him, I don't understand that at all. Anyways, that's going to do it for our first half of the episode. When we come back, we'll be talking about roster battles. Uh, Cooper Marodi got cut. Can Benson stick around possibly? Then we'll be talking about the defense. I know Cody Cece has been looking pretty brutal so far. And then we'll end off the episode with giving our ideal rosters for opening night. So just hold on for one second. We'll be right back after these messages. All right. And we're back. We left off talking about the goaltender battle between uh, Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, and possibly Stuart Skinner, as well as a little bit about uh, why Miko Koskinen has been so disrespected lately. But we're going to be changing uh, gears here. We're going to be talking about some of the roster battles coming down to the wire. The first one that I think is of interest to many people is the, the Tyler Benson situation. Now, Cooper Marodi has been cut by the Oilers. He's on waivers. By the time this is out, we'll know if he's been claimed by anyone. But as the time of this recording... We have no idea. So uh, do not claim him. Yeah, don't claim him. We really want him still. Well, we do. I don't know if the Oilers actually do, but um, or else they wouldn't put him on waivers, right? <laughs> but Tyler- well, that was always going to be a risk because he's, you mm-hmm. know, he's at that time where to move him up or down, he's got to go to waivers. So the Oilers yeah. will have to be super careful in if they call him up because yeah, if if he yeah. get, if he catches fire when he's called up. It'll be hard to put them down because you'll probably lose them, right? So it's going to be very difficult times mm-hmm. with dealing with that asset. Um, Tyler Benson doesn't require waivers. He's looked good through the preseason. Um, he's had a few games where he wasn't doing much, but he still looks serviceable. Um, he's been dealing with a growing injury, uh, but it looks like it's not that serious as he's been on the ice. He could be playing in uh, Monday's game against the Flames. Um, do you think there's a chance that he can crack that opening night roster. Do you think there's a chance in hell that he can do that? Because right now with Dave Tippett, it seems not likely, but there's always a chance. I am going to say, like, I would love for him to do it, but I think that he's Bakersfield's bound. Yeah. I think he might get one or, I think he'll be, to be honest, I think he'll be in the next round of cuts. I think um, he'll get one or two more preseason games, and I think he'll be in the next round of cuts. 
Yeah. Do I like it? No. But you asked me if I thought he'd make the opening night roster, and I don't. Yeah. I'd like for him to be able to. I'd like to. I'd like to honestly be able to say, oh yeah, I think he'll be there. But maybe not. I don't think so. I think he won't make it just because of. Uh, I think. Dave Tippett values guys like Shore and um, <clears throat> and I think Colton Skeevier is a guy who's going to be getting a contract that will be on that opening night roster. So I don't think he makes it over those two guys. Uh, Which is disappointing because I think that uh, Shore has not looked at all. Um, no, <clears throat> I agree. I don't you know, think Shore's looked good at all. You said it, not me. Um, I was going to say he hasn't lived up to like some of you know, the other guys, they've just been more impactful. Here's the thing with Shore, though, okay? He's a fine penalty killer. He does, he does a, an all right job on the penalty kill. And everyone you talk to will be like, well, look how good he is on the penalty kill. Well, that's fine and dandy. That's great. But if he can't play five on five, which is most of the game, then I don't want him there. We have other options for penalty killers. We have, uh, we've had uh, Nugent Hopkins, Fogel has been killing penalties in Carolina, I believe. You have uh, Shore is going to be there. Or no, I guess we're talking about Shore right now. <laughs> kind of messed myself up there. But you have you have Yamamoto there. Drysaddle has killed penalties. You have other options there. Devin Sh- who can also play five on five. We don't need Devin Shore. If he can't play the, mo- the majority of his game uh, at a high level, then what's the point of having him there if he's only good for those really specific moments in time? It's interesting because what you're talking about is like another phenomenon that's been happening in NHL level hockey um, that people don't talk about the same way. And that's like the, uh, the exit of the enforcer role, mm-hmm. right. Where you cannot afford to keep a player. Like every, every lineup is too deep and too skilled. You can't afford to keep a player who can, and who, who can skate like four minutes and punch some people. Yeah. So again, like you, it's the same thing with this shore situation. If he's only really good at special teams, you can't afford to keep a player on your roster to play what? Hopefully no more than eight minutes over the course of a thing on special teams. And then hope he doesn't um, mess up too badly when you ice your fourth line, which then yeah. limits the amount of time you can ice your fourth line, which then shifts a lot of work onto your first your top three lines you know and ramps up the potential for injury in your stars who are putting 25 minutes 30 minutes on uh toi in every night and we've had this conversation before where i'm like you can't run mcdavid and dry sidle into the ground with like 40 minutes every game because that's not a thing you can do and you know for me this 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 specialized role like power play or penalty kill or, you know, this one thing you do fantastic and the other things you do marginally, passably, not awfully, but mostly awfully. Um, like, it's the same for me as the exiting enforcer role. Like, if you yeah. can't play hockey. I, I would like that. I'd like if Dave Tibbet had like a little just smidget of imagination with his penalty killers. Because it seems like he really doesn't. He's he's sure was good there last year, so he'll be there again this year. 
just yeah, well, try out new guys. We literally paid five million dollars for guys good in five years, but it's in the record books. Yeah, so I know. Me so, about, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> um but I, I would... yes, every listener, that was the weekly shot at Duncan Keith. Yes. Oh, we we have lots of that. That's we're going to be getting to that when we talk about the defense. Um, I was going to say, like, um, uh, there isn't that variation or that you know willingness to try new things. There's a a very um, this has worked in hockey previous to now it will work now and i think, I, I think that's problematic because hockey's moving on yeah i'd give a guy like jesse puliarvi who's had glowing defensive uh, numbers just this last season give him a chance on the penalty kill it's preseason this is the type of the time of year where you can try that stuff out and then no one will come at you for it but i think jesse puliarvi cool. actually would be a good penalty killer i think he has the, the tools to media. do that um and it's we have so many guys who can play five on five at a high level and also kill penalties and also be good power play guys where we don't need someone who's only good at penalty killing like Devin Shore. I just don't think he's needed on the roster, but I, I he will make it because of that, um, which is unfortunate when you have a more skilled guy like Tyler Benson in the lineup um, or even uh, Ryan McLeod, who I think he's fighting for that fourth, uh, fourth line center position. Um, McLeod might not make the team despite playing with the team for a lot of the last half of uh, of last season because of Devin Shore. And I don't think Shore will w- win that spot based on performance. I think he'll win it based on uh, his relationship with Tippett, which is not a good way to ice a hockey team or ice a lineup in, in the, the highest hockey league on the, on, on the planet, right? It's just yeah, a little ridiculous. I, well, I mean, you know, the Oilers have done a lot of things that are bush leagues, so this can just go on the tally. Um I think, you know, again, I've said it a lot. I think you ice your best, most talented team. And if you don't have a coach that is able to, you know, figure out how to make that happen, you know, um, you get a new coach. Yeah. But. um, Jay Woodcroft. That is honestly not the direction the Oilers are going. Um, So here's hoping that Tippett ices a mostly decent hockey team with only a few glaring problems. Well, there isn't going to be glaring problems because of the a defense. few. I said no only a few glaring place. problems. I would like to limit that. Just a few, not all, not all of them. You don't need this is not Pokemon. You do not need to collect them all. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it sounds like we are with like Devin Shore is probably making the team. Kyle Turris and Zach Cassian are being um I think Cassian is going to be the third line right wing for reasons. I watched him live on, on Saturday. Terrible. He was not involved in the game at all. There's fans there. There was a decent amount of fans in the stands there. Oh yeah. I know every, like everyone. Uh, he was, didn't everyone look good still. Was that game. Um, and yeah, well, I've, I've, I don't know. I've always thought that um, there's in other professions, there's this idea. I know that fans impact hockey, but in other professions, there's this idea that if you go, like uh, teachers, for instance, if you go because you love working with kids, eventually you're going to burn out working with kids. They're just going to be little monsters to you enough that you're just like, screw this, I don't like this anymore. But yeah. if you go for the actual material, you know, because you love history or you love English or you, you know, you write because you love the poetry of words then those things carry you through when people are disappointing. Yeah. So, you know, what's disappointing to me with Cassian in particular is someone I would feel like 
would have a great love of hockey and every every piece of media and other things he's said you know it seems like he loves hockey but i don't see that mm-hmm. you know he looks and disengaged people, and when people aren't no there's no i can't say that and that's not polite when people aren't heaping adulation on his head you know he's not engaged so are you here because you want everyone in this city to tell you how wonderful you are? Because like my therapist tells me that external validation is never going to truly make you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then that's a problem because if he can only be engaged when absolutely everything is going perfectly all right for him, yeah. that will never consistently it's, happen. It's more, it's more with the shore talk, right? It's a guy that's just only good in very specific scenarios. And even lately, I don't think he's been good in those scenarios, right? Where there's people cheering him on and where there's high stakes. He's just been not there, not playing a good game and just not deserving of, um, of a spot on their roster right now. He's been outplayed by other guys. And I don't think putting a guy in the roster based on, on even based on reputation for Zach Cassian, it's not great because he hasn't been played. He hasn't played well for two last, years now, like for a long time. People, well, and the one that people always hearken to is 2017's playoff run. Right. And we, last... you look at that and he only played good for two games. You look at the rest no, but of the, that's the one that people hearken to. Yeah. But I was going to say, so if, if you're taking that as the last set of like Zach Cassian being really engaged, that's what two, two and a half years. Like four ago? years ago. <laughs> that's two and a half tippet years ago. Come on. Yeah. It's, it's four years ago. He was good for two games in the playoff. One game in the playoff? Two games? I can't remember. But anyway, we can't keep... Eventually, that's got to run out. And we have to look at his recent play. And the recent play has been pretty piss poor. Not well, great. I mean, do we, though? We are the Oilers. <laughs> we don't have <laughs> we to do anything. About, we had a celebration a few years ago about how good we are in the, we were in the 80s. So, I don't you know. know. We take I out don't long know. memories. Think, um I always think that uh, Cassian is going to be one of those interesting players because he's the very definition of an inconsistent player. He has a couple really good games and he has a stretch of really bad games, but he's, um, and he wasn't even a player before they came to Edmonton before that playoff run. Like he was one of the most hated opposing players. Mm-hmm. Right. Like people are always like Cassian, we love Cassian. And I'm like, Guys, I was following the Oilers when we virulently hated Cassian yeah, for that. When he uh, broke Gagne's jaw and then mocked Yeah, for Gagne. breaking <laughs> Sam Gagne's jaw. Like, we hated him. Like, we're cheerfully wishing him to the bowels of hell. And now we can't say a single bad word about him? Yeah, I know. You know? It's because people who cheer for this team, a certain subsection of people, they, they, they just can't say a negative thing about the team. And I think that's kind of stupid. I think that's a stupid way to go about that things Cassian because you got to think rationally. Player, right. Yeah. If we could, if we could hate his dirty play when he wasn't an oiler, he can hate his dirty play as an oiler. Yeah. Or <laughs> just not even dirty. He doesn't even hit anymore. He doesn't even fight anymore. He doesn't even do the thing that everyone says he does. He doesn't do that anymore. He just kind of coasts out there. It's just, he's just a, the definition of a non-factor in the game now. Um, and the same it's goes very much like when your car's in neutral and you're just kind of like just rolling down slowly, right? It's just 
It just doesn't do much. I, I, I'm sorry. I hate Inertia to say it. Inertia is keeping me going, but otherwise um, <laughs> we're screwed. And the same goes know. with Kyle Tur- Kyle, hashtag best shape of his life, Turris. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like disappointed. a fantastic guy. He seems like a good dude. Kind of disappointed. I thought he was best shape of his life. I thought that, that would again, make a more of a positive impact on the hockey. He's looked the same, and the same for Kyle Turris isn't good. He hasn't blown my this, my socks off yet. He struggled to stay in the roster last year. Why does he deserve a spot this year? I mean, I think Tyler Benson would, has looked better. Tyler Benson has looked better, obviously, but apparently we're still going to start Kyle Turris there. And Zach, like our right wing decisions are a little weird right now. And I don't think Cassian's going to start on the third line. And then it's looking like Turris is starting on the fourth line on the right wing. And those are two guys I don't think even deserve to be on the roster. Well, you know, just um, here's the simple one for me. Just be glad Cassian's not starting any higher than that. Oh late wing because that was a bunch of talk and that was be glad that if Harris starts on the fourth line at least it's the fourth line and he's not up there anchoring a second or a first line yeah well you can take solace in that at least Cassian isn't uh playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl they came to their senses it seems it seems they've come to their senses on that we the jury's still out The, the opening night is still like 10, 10 days away. Who knows what happens between now and then. But right now it's looking like that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our defense, but it looks like we're running a little bit long here. So maybe we'll save uh, that for I've uh, made my cracks at defense all yeah. throughout this episode. Thank you very much. Okay, let's just quickly summarize this. Cody Cece, looking bad. Duncan Keith is making his debut on Monday, it appears, um, which if you're um, listening Shona to this is, on day one. I'm personally actually, especially considering, you know, now that he'll have two... Uh, teammates who have had their seasons curtailed by covid really disappointed in duncan Keith's take on vaccinations yeah. he went wide with last week yeah i felt like that was kind of irresponsible of him as a public figure yeah and a lot of people um okay we'll talk about this a little bit because you, you, every time we talk about duncan keith i have to say something about him he's doing a good job of making me not like him he's like <laughs> done a fantastic job like all if he just came in and didn't say anything I still wouldn't like him because of his involvement in the, the sexual assault situation in Chicago. Still wouldn't like him, but God damn it. He had to go say something about COVID and how he didn't want to get vaccinated. It's well, and I, I understand people are being like, Oh, he got vaccinated though. So why is it a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because he's going out in the, in the hardest hit province in Canada where we have large swaths of anti-vax protests every day, where people are dying of this disease every day. And he's going in front of a camera for a team that a lot of people look up to. And he's saying, I don't think I should have been able to, I should, I don't think I should have been forced to do this. And it's just going to inspire more division and more hatred and more anti-vax stuff. It's just irresponsible. Well, and the other thing for me is, um, you know, rightly Duncan Keese, uh, commitment to the Oilers have been called into question around this um, yeah. because there was no way that he was going to be able to travel to the States without those vaccines, you know, cross-border travel, that has been a mandate for months and months and months. So did you think that the what fourth or fifth, depending on the month, most popular sport in the United States was going to have enough pull that you were suddenly going to be exempt? Yeah. Well, like, let's be honest. Um, 
Well, nice leadership there, too. He misses the half the training camp of something he could have done months ago. And but also, yeah. comes out and complains and says, oh, I think I should have been given more better treatment. Like, this is the guy that's going to bring the leadership to Edmonton? Because he sounds like he just whines. I don't know. I think, um, like you were saying, Preston, you know, in a province where our ICU is overwhelmed, yeah. where we're bringing in doctors from every other province because our health system is on a verge of collapse. Yeah, like, dude, read a room. Duncan Keith could think that, you know, having to be vaccinated to do his job is preposterous, ridiculous, and the PA shouldn't have should have made it not happen. Well, every nurse and doctor who works six 12-hour shifts in a week is vaccinated to do their job. And if Duncan, yeah, and- at the very least, can't respect the dedication and the effort that they've put into keeping Albertans alive enough to keep his mouth shut, then well, one, hell, look yeah, at the t- read a room, two, have a little respect for the situation we're all in. Well, yeah, that I agree with you 100%. And then look at your teammates too. your two potential teammates. Their careers could be ended because of COVID. Um, I know Josh Archibald was anti-vaxxer, but he was affected by COVID too. And his career could be ended because of COVID. So like, like, come on, man, just read a room. Like two of your potential teammates may never play again because of this disease that you're talking about. You don't want to get vaccinated for. Because you're super healthy. Come on, man. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. I know he's a health nut and that thing has been going know, but that's the that same he's a biohacker like, but come on man the same thing where you know 20 year old albertans dying with no underlying conditions due to covid don't go out there fueling that um ridiculous concept of natural immunity is somehow going to save people you know yeah, like I especially really- not when you're traveling to as many cities as you will be so if you're, you can be a health nut and stuff and be in on that stuff personally it's not my thing you can do it though but don't use it as a substitute for science it's just not this is not the well, same thing fine if he wants to personally use it as a substitute for science yeah he doesn't need to go out there and freaking inflame people who are already inflamed yeah you know like like you he were saying exactly what he was doing and he yeah, and enough to know that that was a he's had what 16 this is his 17th season in the league he knows the media well enough to know what yeah, he's doing for sure but i think that's a that's all we're gonna say about he is not today. a rookie whose first language <laughs> is finish you know he's dealt with media before um i want to go more into the defense this week but where we are running a bit long i especially want to talk about cody cc but that's uh, we can talk about that next don't week. worry he'll be super bad again this week and yeah, we'll we, have two weeks of data for yeah, it he'll give and us a stats a, guy we'll get Corey back and have a stats guy yeah we'll get Corey back and he can i'm sure Corey's dying to talk about cody cc or like just like we all are um so to end off this episode i'd like to just just put out our, our ideal opening night rosters. Uh, so we'll go through the forward lines and the defensive group. And, you know, I think we can leave goalies out of the question because it's going to be Miko and uh, and Mike Smith uh, to start the season. So Wait, hold on. If it's my ideal one, it's not Miko and Mike Smith. Oh, okay. Well, then we can put goalies on the table here. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is not what we ideal think. One. <laughs> this is not what we think the roster will be. This is what we would do if we were in charge of the roster. So we're playing a little bit of armchair head coach here, um, which I know will go over super well uh, with everyone listening to this podcast. Oh, and because yeah. um, we are definitely saying we are better at uh, being a head coach than uh, Dave Tippett. Okay. But on the record, we are better at the job. Okay. Don't want to hear anything else. It's, it's <laughs> on the fact. record, at least we're, we're not provably worse than Dave Tippett. We're not provably worse. Give us a chance is what we're saying. So there's no, there's no evidence that we're worse. 
Um, I have never lost a game as a head coach in the NHL. So just putting that out there. So yeah, exactly. So I think we do pretty okay. I so mean, for if me, I got to be a head coach in the NHL, Preston, I'd probably be the first female head coach in the NHL's history, wouldn't I? I think you would. I think you'd be the first female coach at all in the NHL. I don't think well, there's no, any. No, there might it's be just... a female skating coach or goalie coach kicking around. Okay, that, that's true. That's true. There might be. Um, okay, but I know Shannon Stabados has done some work and, and she's lovely and, and really great. <laughs> You'd have her beat though. I, I, I'm confident. No, no, she's just lovely. I've met her a couple of times. She, she's wonderful. All right. Um, are we so, talking about the fact that I really love goalies? <laughs> yeah, no, you are a resident goalie nut for sure. Um, so for my um, ideal roster, for the forward group, at least for the top six, there's not many surprises at all. It's going to be... Uh, Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid and Puliarvi. They looked fantastic in that one preseason game. And I think they have the opportunity to be one of the premier lines in the league as well. Um, second line, again, we've seen it all throughout preseason. It's the dry sidle Yamamoto and Nuju Hopkins line, that uh, infamous dry line that had that hot streak a, a year ago. They had their struggles, I think, last year, but I think they will revert back to their normal selves this year for sure. And then in the bottom six is where things get interesting. I know a lot of people have Derek Ryan slotted in as that third third line centerman, but I'm going to go with Warren Fogle, Derek Ryan, and I'm going to put Brandon Perlini on the, the right wing there. I think he's a, the type of guy. Offside? Yeah, I'm going to put him on, on his offside because I think he has the skill to really complement those two guys. Like that's a scoring line, a third line scoring line that I think can do some damage. McLeod has looked pretty good throughout the uh, preseason so far. Perlini's earned that role, I think, over Zach Cassian for sure. And um, Warren Fogel's a guy who can just compliment them as well, just bang, bang at the net and uh, carry the puck and have a good, good possession and cycle game. It's, I think it's a good third line. And then for yeah. the fourth line, um, it's a little difficult. I think I would have Benson... Ryan, you can't have Ryan on the third and the fourth lines. No, no, Ryan, Ryan's not. Play. Ryan's not. My third line is Fogel, uh, Benson, or Fogel, McLeod, and uh, Perlini. When you listen to this back, you told me it was Ryan. So. Oh, okay. So I messed that up. Okay, my 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 third line is Fogel, McLeod, and Perlini. Okay. And then my uh, fourth line is uh, Benson, Ryan, and I want to put Skivier. I'll put Skivier there. I think that's a decent fourth line as well. So okay. that means that I don't have Cassian, Turris, Shore on the roster at all. So it's not going to happen. But I think that's the lineup that maximizes our our skill and um, depth for the forward group. So that's what I got. And then um, on defense, I would have... This is difficult because I don't think... I think a tire fire! Anyway... It is a tire fire. Any way you put it, this is not going to be as good as last year's. It's going to be a significant downgrade. So I've got um, Nurse with Bouchard. And then this is going to sound bad, but I think it's literally the best case scenario. Our second pairing would be Cuckoo, Cuckoo with Barry, because I think in the past they've played pretty well together. Um. And oh boy, this is going to be a brutal third pairing. Ain't no way for you to do this nice. I know, this is the hard part. Um, you know what? 
Chris Russell makes it for me. <laughs> which right. is something that blows my mind. And I thought I'd never say Star that Chris finish. Russell would be Star. on my ideal roster. It's very scary to say that. And then, oh, God, I don't even know who else we got there. I'm blanking. Well, you got Lagason. You got Not Lagason. You could put Keith in the third pairing. You could put Cece in his offside. Oh, there, there's a guy. Cece will be with, with uh, I forgot. We just talked about him. R- Russell and Cece would be my third pairing. Duncan Keith doesn't make it for me. Okay? That's, that's, I don't think he's good anymore. He hasn't been in training camp. I don't know how he's looked. From a hockey standpoint, from a personal standpoint, hell no. So many red flags. Don't think he should be there, but, you know, he, he is. He doesn't even make it there just from a hockey standpoint. I don't think he's there. And then anymore. you're running a goalie tandem of Smith and Koskinen? Uh, no, I'm running Koskinen as a starter. I would I would run Koskinen and Smith on opening night, but I think at the end of the year, my ideal pairing would be Koskinen and Skinner and maybe Konovalov. Depending, you can't have know. two in a goal, or you can't have three I, okay, in a goalie okay. tandem. This is, and not, this is not Those a this guys. is not a uh, you know relationship where you can stick three people. It's a goalie <laughs> tandem. I love Skinner and Konovalov, but I will give it to Skinner for now. Uh, so Koskinen and Skinner, um, with Koskinen starting the majority of games, is what I would do. All right, so I like your top six. I'm keeping yeah. Hyman, McDavid, and Puyarvi together. I'm also keeping. Hopkins, Drysaddle, and Yamamoto together. Though I still fear for Yamamoto's little yeah. peg, um, I am feared for him. <laughs> <laughs> you all know I'm just like one bad hit, one bad hit. <laughs> <laughs> Me and like his grandmother will be like clutching our pearls. Um, I'm keeping Fogel and McLeod together. Yeah. Um, like you, I'm dropping uh, Cassian, but I'm not putting Perlini on his off wing. I'm moving Skeever. Skivier up. Okay, I can see that too. Third. I think he's got enough boogie that he could at least be interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm keeping Perlini or Perlini McLeod, and I'm flipping Benson to his off wing on the fourth. Um, you, Ryan, you mean because you put McLeod on the third? third yeah, no, so well, you can double shift, I can double shift too. <laughs> I'm keeeping Ryan, yeah, I'm keeping uh, Benson Ryan, and I'm flipping um Perlini to his off wing on the fourth, yeah. Um because I think that he that could still be um, that's a line deadly line too. It could be deadly, like in certain situations, but also gives you the ability to break those bottom two lines up and flip mm. them around if they're not working. Yeah, um, I like that too. That's a, in my uh, with those guys. In my attempts to uh, extinguish the tire fire that is our defense, <laughs> I am going to keep Nurse and Barry together. Um, there's a reason for this. I think it will be a tire fire, but I am so sick of everybody telling me how amazing both these guys are. If they are so amazing and they are so wonderful to, you know, they will be super amazing together. And if they aren't, I will get to laugh all the way to wherever I go. <laughs> Win-win. They're good. If they're yes. good, that's awesome. If they're bad, if they're good, see- that's amazing. And if they're bad, then I get the shot and fried joy out of it. Yeah. So we're keeping them together. There we go. Okay. Um, but Coco and Bouchard are going up to the third line mm. or to the second pair for me. And, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, like now I've got the same problem. You yeah. It's hard to put him there. CC is brutal. He's been not good. <laughs> but I have spent 30 years complaining about Chris Russell and his starfish. So <laughs> what do I do? 
Um, my my, but no, my my bottom pair will probably be Keith and CC. Um, simply because I've spent too much money. Like, do I want Keith? No, but I've spent too much money on acquiring Keith to just completely leave him off my roster. That's um, fair. That's fair. And then, uh, like I know. It'll be Koskinen and Smith, and Smith probably starting before Koskinen, but I would prefer Koskinen and Skinner, much like you. You think it'll be the end of the year. I would rather we start there um, yeah. because I think, like I said, I've said it lots. I think um, kudos to Mike Smith for having an amazing year, but I think he's due a, a, a regression. Oh, yeah, and for sure. I, don't, I agree. I don't, I don't particularly, and like, you know, his his overall, his last five-year stats have not been fantastic. Um and, uh, you know, I do not particularly want the whole, the goalie is the problem, not the defense. I would really love the goalie to have an amazing season and the defense to be highlighted as the problem. Yeah. Just my, my natural protective goalie. I think that's the most likely case. If you look at our defensive group, there's problems. There's problems. Um, I think there's not problems. Be. I told you it's a tire fire. There's a lot you know, of problems. It's one of those like thousand tire tire fires that are an ecological disaster you know yeah meanwhile uh ethan bear is in the amazon meanwhile ethan bear has a hat trick in the scrimmage and he's playing and you know like playing top pairing and then caleb jones is apparently outplaying seth jones just don't i have i don't want to say nice things about caleb jones because he was a winter hawk and the only nice thing i'll ever say about the winter hawks is i really appreciated their rebranding to a classy logo from our racist as hell logo yeah for <laughs> so, sure good job there winter hawks i still <laughs> hey wait well, look at this we got caleb jones going from the winter hawks to the black hawks same, same yeah so we went logo. well they had a racist yeah i basically had the same racist as hell yeah. logo when he was on the winter hawks <laughs> so he'll be familiar yeah. with it yeah yeah he'll be good with it well he's also think- he's from a mega family too so but Seth Jones is also, um, if you look at Seth Jones's history, he's also a Winterhawk. Um, oh, yeah, I guess so. That's a family affair there. Well, yeah, Caleb Jones came out of the USHL to the Winterhawks. Yeah. He, he was drafted to another team. One of those Joneses was drafted to another team and wouldn't play for it until play for that team until they traded him to Portland. Yeah. It was just weirdness. And that That's was weird. in around the area where Portland's getting dinged for breaking the most violations in the WHL rule book that they've ever Ooh. been dinged. Jeez. anyway it's 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 a good junior's time which is not the purpose of this podcast <laughs> uh, should find me like a junior's hockey podcast to go share all my opinions on. oh man i don't know the a thing about junior hockey i'd like to know more so but that's for another day um, i'll tell you many things <laughs> but yeah i think both of our rosters are pretty are hitting the same same uh that's nail there. you and i hit the same um Corey, we should get Corey to send in a roster at some point for next week. Oh, no, next week I'm going to get him to send in a roster, for sure. Because Um, Corey has a slightly different take on players. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And, hey, if you want to drop your ideal roster in the comments of our post on Copper and Blue that accompanies this podcast, hey, feel free to do it. I'd I'd love to take a look at what you guys think is the most ideal. Do not put Duncan Keith on the first pairing, though. Yeah, but do not put Duncan Keith on the first pairing. And I don't want to see no Devin Shore as a third-line center, okay? If you do that, I'm coming for you, personally. I'll find you, and I'll take Devin Shore off that roster. I don't know how, but I will. (laughs) But thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll be uh, back uh, talking Oilers hockey uh, next Monday. So, yeah, see you then.